Thank you for joining the live broadcast of East Bay Bible Fellowship in Alameda, California. We pray that you'll be blessed by the worship and the preaching of God's Word. If you have any questions or would like to find out more about our service times and location, feel free to call us at 510-697-8220 or go to our website at ebbfellowship.com. That's ebbfellowship.com. Thank you and God bless. Amen. Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 5 is going to be where we open up today. Exodus 3 and verse number 5. We're going to have a lot of verses we'll go through today. Uh, And you know what? If somebody wants to, uh, in fact, because a lot of our verses will come out of Exodus 20. So if somebody wants to go there because I'll need help reading there. So I'm going to open this up with Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 5. Very familiar passage of scripture and this will be our theme for this uh for this uh series uh on holiness so uh exodus 3 and 5 says and he said draw not nigh hither put off thy shoes from off thy feet for the place whereon thou standest is holy everyone say holy Holy. the place whereon thou standest is holy ground and uh, i want to talk to you uh for just a while on the subject of the place where you are standing. All right. So uh, we live in a world of a lot of no's. Uh, N-O apostrophe S. Uh, we live, or maybe no apostrophe, but uh, we live in a world of a lot of no's. Uh, within our world, there is even what some people have called an industry of no. Um, uh, no has a lot of different names. Uh, in our world or in the industry. Uh, it's also known as regulation. It's also known as stipulation, uh, etc. And then there are uh, the many no's that exist in social, in the social conscience, uh, in the social conscious. Um, these are all the no's that tell us what's acceptable and what's not. Few of these no's are rational. Uh, there are countless uh, prejudicial no's. Knows that tell us if we are certain. Uh, uh, there are knows that tell us what we can and cannot do. Uh, if we are a certain race uh, and even a certain gender, uh, there's all these knows out there. Um, the problem with these knows is that they they themselves are not racist and they will target anybody. Uh, so there's these knows that will tell you, you know, if if you're Asian, you cannot do this. If you're black, you cannot do this. If you're white, you cannot do this. Uh, if you are whatever, uh, these, these social, these social conscience, these knows, uh, they will, they will go to anybody. They will talk to anybody. Um, I think that on some deep level, we all know, uh, that we are surrounded and even swimming in a sea of a lot of knows. Not all of them are bad. There's a lot of social and even, uh, what we might call regulatory knows, uh, that are that they're not so bad. In fact, they're probably needful, because as we all know, uh, that the human de- tendency is to uh, avoid anything like denial, restriction, restraint. Right. Uh, none of these things are necessarily uh, appealing to our desires. Even without religion, society is not comfortable with the idea of no. 
When people do become religious, it's not uncommon for them to feel like they've entered into the great big world of now. Right. A lot of people, when they, when they think about going to church or reading the Bible or, or being a religious person, their first thought is, great, now I'm going to be living this life full of nothing, but you cannot do this. You cannot do that. It's bad enough I can't cut the little tags off pillows and beds. And it's bad enough I, I can't do this because I'm Mexican. Or I can't do that because I'm Asian. Or I can't do this because of the government. So now I'm going to go to, to church and just get a longer list of no's. Right. And uh, in fact, one of the most commonly known documents or one of the most uh, widely known documents uh, from the Bible is the Ten Commandments. And you'll, you'll hear a lot of people bring out the fact, because it is a fact, that the Ten Commandments have a lot of no's in them. All right, so let's read those. Who can read uh, Exodus 20, verses 2 through 17? Brother Willoughby. I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy to the thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth to see and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord God blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. All right. So I'm going to just take that apart for you really quick. So out of all that, we just read uh, 15 verses. Look here. Uh, no other gods, no idols, uh, no name in vain, no taking the Lord's name in vain, uh, no, uh, no murder, uh, uh, no adultery, uh, no stealing, no lying, uh, no coveting. There's a lot of no's in there, all right? But let's, let's, let's look at these no's. Are all no's bad? And who benefits sometimes from the no? Um, um, a lot of people feel that, you know, God is actually doing this because somehow he receives some sort of inner joy from like cutting people off and putting restrictions in their life. But let's look at this. Number one, you will have no other gods. Uh, God here says uh, we are going to have a personal relationship, just you and me. Now, what are the benefits of this? What is the benefit of a single God? Um, they're actually more profound than you might think. Because for thousands of years, and even now, there are people who believe in many gods. They believe that there are thousands and thousands and thousands upon gods. The problem with many gods is that they fight. Right? Uh, these many gods, they fight. And so 
uh, you'll notice historically there's like the wind god, the sun god, and they're not always agreeing. Uh, even in Greek mythology, the gods were always fighting. They were very capricious gods, yeah. very unpredictable. Uh, if you know, there's just it's a mess. And, and not only is it messy, uh, but for example, uh, one of the things that paganism and, and polyism, all these things gave birth to in particular was the sacrificing of humans. Uh, this was one of the things that they did uh, because in all honesty, the humans, there was no evidence to them that they were made in the image of God. In fact, most of their gods were made in their image, not the other way around. And, and in many cases, their gods might have been animals. So if, if man is not made in the image of God, number one, you have a big problem because then life is not that sacred and it can be offered up for a sacrifice just like anything else. And it was. Um, and one of the probably saddest things of antiquity in, in, in paganism is that they offered up children constantly to sacrifice. And there are several theologians that actually believe this is the reason this is the primary reason why God told Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, knowing that he wasn't going to allow Abraham to do it. But what God was doing was he was demonstrating to the world, this is not what I want. I do not like the sacrificing of children. Um, I give children. Children are a miracle. In fact, I was talking to somebody today. A lot of people don't know this. I am a huge advocate of the fact that children should act their age. So, you know, I know we get nervous when our kids start yelling in church or whatever, uh, but that's actually, they're acting their age. That's actually what kids do at their age. I was talking to somebody today about, you know, our job as Christians is not to produce little adults, right? Like every stage and phase of life is a gift from God. Child, adolescence is a gift from God. Being two is a gift from God. You're, and, and being 10 is a gift from God. And 10-year-olds shouldn't act like 20-year-olds. And God knows that a 20-year-old shouldn't act like a 10-year-old. Um, and, and so uh, it's very important that we allow our children to act their age. Of course, with Christian values. But we should never, we should never be telling our kids, you need to grow up. They, they can't. They're, they're stuck at that age. And you know what a lot of people don't know? is that the Bible is one of the first documents in, in, in history and antiquity to even acknowledge adolescence and childhood as a stage in life. Most, most pagan religions, I was just on this to somebody today, most pagan religions did not acknowledge childhood because they treated children as small adults. And I don't even want to go into the details of what that means. But they did very adult things with children. And so they never, they never wanted to acknowledge children as, as this, this, this younger, more delicate thing that needs to be nurtured and taken care of. They, they treated kids like small adults. And you could see that as the world goes to a less God-centered biblical way of life. There are, as, as Brother Booker once said, there's less children now. There's a lot of little adults everywhere. Kids that can cuss just as good as any, any 40-year-old. And kids whose minds know just as much about adult behavior as, as any adult. And so who, who benefits from one God? We do. And if so if God says don't have plenty of gods, trust me, the beneficiary, that's us. Amen. That's not a bad no. Amen. That's a good no. Amen. Can you say Amen. amen. Colossians 3 and 5. Uh, here's another note. It says, you will have no idols. Everyone say no idols. No idols. And uh, I can talk about idolatry as a literal act where you have little statues and the effects that that has 
on, on, on humanity. But I'm going to tell you, I want to talk to you for, uh, I want to bring this up to speed to where we're living today. And what the New Testament says is idolatry. And, and, and it'll help us uh, save a little bit of time here because it'll cover two of the commandments. So who has Colossians 3 and 5? Colossians 3 and 5. My daughter's saying she has Colossians 3 and 5. Here, I'll pull it up. Colossians uh, Colossians 3 and verse number 5. Uh, hear this. Mortify therefore your members. Who? Oh, okay. Oh. All right. So first, the Apostle Paul says here, mortify your members. And he goes down all these these uh, like what we would call sins of the body. But at the very end, he talks about covetousness and he says covetousness is idolatry. If you don't know what covetousness means, uh, the dictionary describes it as to crave, to crave things that belong to others. All right. It does not say this is the funny thing about covetousness. It does not crave something it does not have that someone else does. It just craves what other people have. All right. I know people that they want what you have, not because they don't have it. They just they want more of what of anything they they want to possess more and more and more and more and more. It doesn't like. Uh, it, all human beings have this tendency, right? Like you could actually see it in kids. Like, you know, your kid might have like a bowl, you know, a bowl of grapes and the other kids eating grapes and they'll just reach into the other kid's grape bowl and pull one out. And uh, they, there's that. Uh, in fact, the word covetousness comes from the word passionate desire. It comes from an old like Latin French word, uh, which is where we and in, in your King James Bible, it'll actually use the word concupiscence. Um, but. Uh, covetousness means when you crave, you long, you wish, you passionately desire for things that belong to other people. Um, who benefits from not being that way? We do. I mean, can you imagine to live your whole life just wanting what other people have? I mean, really, just stop and think about that. What if you lived your whole life? Just staring at your neighbor's house, staring at your neighbor's car, staring at your neighbor's wife, staring at your neighbor's husband. And, and like, you know what would happen? You would be incapable of any kind of gratitude because you would never appreciate what you have. It didn't, it wouldn't even, if, even if you had a Bentley and all you could do is think about somebody else's Bentley, you would not appreciate your own Bentley. It, it, it just doesn't matter when you are just craving and longing and wishing that is no way to live. In fact, I will go ahead and tell you, you cannot live that way. Um, you will not be happy. You will be miserable. You will be depressed. Um, it just it doesn't help. So th- here's a good note. God says, don't be that way. And, and it's so easy to think like God's just this big, you know, mean guy in heaven, you know, bag of candy in one hand. Big stick in the other hand. You do good, you get candy. You do bad, you get stick. And uh, but but that's not God. Uh, and He's telling us not to be this way. Let's go to the next one. Um, you will not take the name of the Lord in vain. And uh, here's one that I didn't really always understand. I mean, I understood the way it's traditionally interpreted, but uh, uh, the word "take" 
The word take there is you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. In Hebrew is actually the word carry. You will not carry the name of the Lord in vain. What does that mean? How do you carry the name, the, the, the Lord's name? I'll tell you how you carry everywhere you go. You carry God's name with you. If you claim to be religious, if you claim to be a Christian, you are carrying God's name to Starbucks, to Pete's Coffee, to McDonald's, to In-N-Out, uh, to school, to your, wherever you go, you are carrying God's name with you. And, and one of the worst things that's happened in our age, in our day and age right now, is terrorism. Uh, hands down. And these people are carrying the name of God in vain. They're saying, I'm going to blow up a building. I'm going to, I'm going to murder people. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this in the name of God. They are carrying the name. Of, can you think of anything more destructive than people committing d- despicable acts or even minor offenses in the name of God? Um, I, could think of, I could think of few things more, more disturbing than, than, than tainting somebody's understanding of God. Um, I, would rather, I would rather have to debate in my head a million other things than to have somebody project a, a distorted view of God in my mind. That, 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 God is, that God is this God who just runs around telling people to blow up buildings. So, or, or even that God is this person who tells, you know, John to go to work and, you know, cuss at his neighbors or cuss at his coworkers, kick, kick chairs around and then go to, you know, this is a true story. You, you may not believe this. I, I remember uh, me and Jesse used to work at this company. Uh, uh, he wasn't working there yet, but I used to work there. And um, I remember one of my coworkers was this like quote unquote Christian guy. Probably the funniest thing that's ever happened in my life. But uh, during the dinner party, at the at the at the at the job banquet. I mean, this guy got plastered drunk. I mean, he was plastered drunk, and he was supposed to be this Christian. And this is no exaggeration. He he had to ask me for a ride home because he was so drunk. And I remember when we were sitting in the car, he he told me he said, "What time is church on Sunday?" And I thought, well, man, maybe he's feeling really guilty. You know, he knows he doesn't have the truth, and he's going to come to church with me. So I told him, you know, you know, I gave him our church time, and he said, "Well, I want to invite you to my church." And he handed me a flyer to his church. This is the truth. The, uh, the scripture quoted on the front of the flyer said, be ye not drunk with wine in excess. I mean, I could not have thought of, I could not make this up. I mean, it was just so funny. But, but be ye filled with the spirit. And I thought, here's this guy who's plaster drunk, handing me a flyer that says not to be drunk. And uh, he's just carrying God's name in vain. All our coworkers saw that. All our coworkers thought, man, this guy, and I, I probably didn't look that great that day either because I'm like giving a ride home. Here are the two Christian guys, and one of them's just totally plastered. He carried God's name in vain that day. All right? He, he, and, and when we use the word, the, the term there in vain, it's just, it's just in vain. You might as well not even, you might as well, you know, the Bible even talks about being worse than an infidel, being worse than an unbeliever. Uh, there's things that you can actually do that destroy uh, people's faith in God. All right. Um, so uh, thou shalt not murder. Now, you know, I always talk to people that are in military because a lot of times they're even in police. It's very important that people understand this. It's very, very critical. Uh, the word there, murder, is actually, uh, well, I think in King James, does he use kill? And here it uses murder. Uh, there's a difference between killing and murder. Right. Murder has 
murder has like uh, what it, it, there's like three components to murder. Uh, it has to have like uh, a motive, uh, a means, and uh, something else. So, but uh, a policeman who who uh, gets caught in a in a scuffle altercation and has to shoot somebody has not murdered them. He did kill them, but he did not murder them. And the scripture here, the Hebrew word here, uh, in your King James, it might use kill. Most versions have already figured this out. Uh, it's the word there is murder. Um, and God here is saying, you will not murder. You will not be a murderer. Uh, he's not saying you will not kill. It's perfectly, um, and I know this might be controversial for some people, it's perfectly by... It's perfectly acceptable to serve in the military, to be a police officer. Those are civil duties. In fact, the Bible says, I think it's Romans 13. It talks about that they that they represent God in judgment and order and authority. And so uh, that's a very different thing than murdering. Um, But but the Bible says you should not be a murderer. Proverbs 1 and 18 says um, I we won't read it right now. But Proverbs 1 and 18 talks about that. to lay a snare in front of a bird, uh, you're doing that in vain. Um, and then it compares that to somebody who's a murderer. And it says, uh, I'll, I'll give you modern translation. It says, they are like a bird that sees the bait but ignores the trap. They gang up to murder someone, but they will be the victims. And uh, people who like murder, they become the actual victims at the end of the day. And not victims in the sense of they're being taken Advantage, but they're going to live a miserable life. Um, the, the, you know, um, I came across this story not too long ago about this guy who was serving multiple life sentences. He was from San Jose, uh, and uh, you know they have him talk to young, young, young gangbangers and stuff. And I mean, this guy was scary. I mean, there's few people I've come across in my life where I'm like, man, you are one scary guy. And this guy was very, very, very scary. Just, just the picture of him was just disturbing. And, but, you know, he got a hold of a few young men. And, man, he just told them, he said, you know, don't, don't live like this. Don't be a gangbanger. Don't, you know, don't get involved in this. He said, really, you're just going to end up in prison. The, the murderer might kill one people, ten people. Let's just say even at worst he kills a hundred people. But you know what? That murderer himself is going to die a million little deaths every day. Uh, whether if he gets caught and he ends up in prison, if he lives on the run, if, if he's tormented, whatever, that's a million little deaths. Yeah. He's really at the end of the day, he's he's hurting himself. And I know probably nobody, nobody here struggles with that. But I'm just saying um, the Bible, who, who benefits from not being a murderer? Society and the and us, us. This is a good no. This is not a bad no. Not all no's are bad. Uh, This is a good no. And I'm going somewhere. We're almost done. Um, uh, No adultery. Proverbs 6 and 30 uh, through 32. Anybody want to join in on on this? Amen. We're going to bring my wife a Bible next week. Proverbs uh, 6, 30 through 32. She has her Bible. Praise God. All right. Brother Willoughby. Uh, Man, do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he was hungry. But if he has found out, he must restore seven times. He must give the whole substance of his house. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks heart and understanding. He who does it is destroying his own life. All right. So who benefits from not committing adultery? We do. Now, here's something really interesting that the Bible says. The Bible says that if a man, nobody despises a man if he steals bread 
because he's uh, starving, right? And then it and then it compares that to somebody who commits adultery. Now, now catch the comparison here. Everyone fights. There's arguments and disagreements in every marriage, you know. And and I know people that have fallen to the act of adultery. I've talked to them. And they'll tell you, you know, well, me and my wife were just not getting along. And I always think to myself, well, join the club. Like, me and my wife don't get along every day. That's not, you know, like, yeah, I can understand. I can understand not getting along with your wife. Uh, I can sympathize with you. I can even see, or a wife not getting along with her. I can sympathize with these things. I understand. Um, There's times couples don't get along, and uh, you want me to cry with you about it? Yeah, I'll cry with you about that. But... But I do want you to know, uh, if you steal bread, you're going to pay back sevenfold. Yeah. Uh, so yes, we can all understand the concept and even sympathize with the concept of being at such odds with your, your spouse that life is hard on you. Yeah. And that you are hurt and that you are upset and that you are angry. But do know this, that if you decide to go to the next step and go find you another person outside and introduce somebody else into your, your, your marriage... And commit adultery. The Bible says what? You destroy your own house. Your own life. And when it, when it t- talks about your home. It's not talking about the, four, the thing with four walls. And a roof. It's talking about. When you, you, you'll notice in your Bible it says the house of David. The house of Abimelech or whoever. And what it's literally saying is. You're going to destroy you. You're going to destroy your kids. You're going to destroy your kids. Kids, 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 kids. That, that kind of stuff doesn't leave families. Wow. And, and, and not every family has somebody who has done that. And it, it affects everyone. It absolutely affects. And, and here's God in heaven. And God says, hey, guys, don't commit adultery. Trust me. It's never going to be good. You are going to destroy your house. You're going to destroy your kids. I mean, at some point, think about this. At some point, if people get divorced <laughs> over adultery, at some point, one of those parents is going to have to confess to the child what they did. And this is the most sacred relationship there is, is marriage. It is the most sacred relationship there is. And so how horrible to have to have the mother or the father or whoever explain to the kid, hey, this is, this is why me and your dad are not together anymore. This is why me and your mom are not together anymore. This is not good. This is, this is a good no. So who benefits from this? We all do. All right. No stealing. Proverbs 6 and 31. We already read it. Uh, we just read it. What does it say about stealing? It says you will repay sevenfold. You will always have to pay back more than you stole. And so it's not worth it. It's not worth it to steal. You, you know, we always say you reap what you sow, but really you reap more than what you sow. If I put a seed in the ground, I don't get a seed back. I get a tree with fruit, with seeds in that fruit, and, and lots of fruit. I, I get back more than what I put in. Um, and so when you steal, and you can get like, here's, here's, the, here's the, it's not pleasant, but here's the reality of the judicial system. Like, you really will at the end of the day, let's say you steal cars, all right, which is bad. It's not good. You are, you are going to end up in a prison with somebody who murders, it's not worth it. If you steal bikes, bicycles, not motorcycles, but bikes, you're going to end up in a jail cell eventually with people that, that are violent. You're going to pay back more. It's not worth it to steal. Okay.
Can somebody say amen? amen. No lying. Proverbs 26 and 28. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Who's got Proverbs 26 and 28? We're, we're moving fast here. <coughs> Proverbs 26 and 28. Go ahead, Brother Willoughby. A lying tongue hates those it wounds and crushes, and a flattering mouth works ruin. A lying tongue hates those who it hurts and crushes. Uh, King James, I think, thinks says afflicts. It hates those who it afflicts. When you lie to people... Um, number one, you are afflicting them. You are, you are torturing them. You are, you're, you are not being cool. Like you are, but on top of that, what lying does is it makes you hate them. And so lying, like what are the effects of lying? It makes you, it makes you like a little monster. It's just, it turns you into like a small monster. And, uh, you are, you are, you are not only afflicting people, you are hating them. And it is possible to afflict somebody unknowingly and not hate them. It's possible to cause somebody hurt, not mean to do it. But when you lie, the Bible says you're not now you're not just afflicting them. You're hating this person, too. And so lying makes you hate people. Uh, Why lie? Uh, You will end up by yourself. You know what? I know people that are serial liars. Uh, I know people that are compulsive liars. And you know what I've noticed about all of them? They're very lonely. They actually, in spite of the fact that they have 700 friends on Facebook and they're always on the phone talking to somebody and they're always in somebody's business, the truth is there's a, there's a dark loneliness to them because you can never come out and be yourself. Right. Who wants to be a liar? No one. All right, so there's a lot of, uh, we don't have to go to the last one, which is coveting. We already covered covetousness. You become an idolater. We're almost done here. So we're talking about holiness. And we read the story about Moses who goes before God. And, and uh, God tells him to take off his shoes. And there's, a lot, of, there's a, lot of, a lot of history behind why God told him to take off his shoes. But, but here's something that I think we need to understand. How Moses was was not okay. The, the state he was. You know, a lot, a lot of people say, come as you are. You know, God will love you just as you are. Well, God wasn't that way with Moses. God said, you know what? I am holy. And uh, the ground where you are walking is holy. In fact, this is the first time the word holy is in the Bible. And so the ground was not holy prior to God being there. The ground was holy because God was there. And wherever God is, is holy. So if God is in us, then we are supposed to be holy. And... The one thing, the one thing that the first biblical introduction to holiness, the first biblical introduction to holiness. And I know that a lot of this might not settle great with everyone in the world, but here's the truth. The first biblical introduction to holiness has to do with subtraction. It has to do with taking things and getting rid of them. It has to do with coming to terms with a no. It has to do with those shoes are not acceptable. I don't think God cared what, what quality. It had nothing to do with the leather. had nothing to do with it. But God said, that's not okay. And so the one thing we do have to understand is if God is in us, the place where, if God is in us, then we are standing on holy ground. And that means that there are certain things we cannot do. If we were just heathens, if we were just pagans, if we were, as the Bible calls, darkened in our conscience, then do whatever you want. 
But that is not what we are. We are God's people. And God lives inside of us. First Peter says to be ye holy. And he's quoting the Old Testament. He says, be ye holy, for I am holy. And that is the reason behind holiness. Is because God is holy. And so we want to be holy. And uh, as the weeks come, we we only have two more of these lessons. And they, they will become more intense and more detailed. But there is a subtraction involved in holiness. And it's about getting rid of certain things. And it's about adding certain things. But the one thing we do have to embrace tonight is that some no's are okay. Amen. Some no's. It's okay for God to tell you no. Amen. It's okay for God to tell you you cannot look at that. It's okay for God to tell you you cannot listen to that. It's okay for God to tell you you cannot wear that. It's okay for God to tell you you cannot look like that, talk like that. But know this. Whatever... Whatever no God gives you, it's for your good. It's for my good. There's no, in God's, in God's economy, there's no bad no's. It's a good no. And as we've seen so far just in the Ten Commandments, whatever God tells us not to do is totally for our benefit. We will benefit from it. We will be happier. Can you say amen? amen. So there we go. That's it. All right. Let's wrap this up. Let's stand to our feet. And... Um, I want us to pray right now before we're dismissed tonight.